Hey, welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast, everybody. I'm Jim Vavida. Sorry for the delay, but uh, we're back. Me, Tom Jorgensen. Hi, everybody. And I've our, missed you dearly. Our special guest, Joshua Yale. Yo, what's up? I'm here. I'm queer. I drink beer, and I and I watch a lot of superhero movies. You, All right, you really, you abandoned the rhyme? Come on. Come on. Damn it, Joshua. He's our comics uh, senior editor of comics, yes. right? Yes. Recently, yeah. recently promoted. Uh, uh, right. Congratulations, oh, belatedly, guys. on the record. Hopefully not too loud for listeners. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we have some things we're going to talk about this week, uh, starting with the new Predator trailer. It's uh, the, the latest in the franchise uh, that began with 1987's Predator and then quickly frankly, went downhill. Um, th- wh- what did you guys think of this new trailer? This is from director Shane Black, who actually had a small part in the original movie. Yeah, uh, this is a real boring trailer. This is a real <laughs> uh, real stinker of a trailer. Not to, not to pass any final judgment on the movie, because often, you know, is... We often get trailers that are not very representative of the quality of the movie. I think I'm thinking very much of the Venom situation where the first trailer was like, yeesh. And then the second one does a little more to be like, oh, okay, maybe maybe that's the movie that we're actually going to get. So maybe we'll get another Predator trailer that maybe does a better job of making this seem special because it's a Shane Black movie. Like, yeah. this should have personality and, and flair. And there's not a lot of that in this trailer. What yeah. you think, Joshua? It, it looked like AVP Requiem, which was the yes. second Alien vs. Predator movie, but with no aliens. For all that's being made about, like, oh, it takes the Predator franchise to somewhere it's never been. Like, well, I mean, the Predator franchise, AVP's not Predator franchise, but it's close enough. And yeah, it it's does. It's half seem... a Predator franchise. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And for a while, it was the Predator franchise. That's I, all I, people could get of it. You know, I mean, I, I, I will say, I thought the trailer was just okay. Like, it, it didn't. Um... It didn't excite me to actually want to see the movie. Um, I know I'll see it anyways because I like Shane Black and I like the Predator. But I didn't think, even like casting wise, like yeah, sure they got Sterling K. Brown in there, but like I don't know, it was kind of ho hum. And and I thought it was weird too that we have a Shane Black movie that's not set at Christmas. This one is Halloween. So far as I mean, are we sure the whole thing takes place around Halloween? Uh, maybe like I the don't know. opening of the movie maybe it takes ends place with around Christmas Halloween. and he opens up his or maybe that yeah. box he opens at the beginning is a Christmas present a Christmas and it's just present. a clever clever cutting. Mm-hmm. But um I, I can't know. wait to, for the scene where there if what we see in the trailer actually happens in the movie where the boy has the little thing he doesn't realize he's controlling an alien ship in space i think that's just editing you think that's just editing yeah, I for sure it, i was kind of buying it as being real because it was so mirroring what he was doing with the little thing in his hand so i just i wanted the scene later on where he's like i'm responsible for all these deaths he is <laughs> gunning for that kid so the kid has something that uh yeah the tech wants. yeah he's it, got the it tech, must be that what, tech yeah um what did you think of uh, the cast? I mean, we have Keegan Michael Key, we have Alfie Allen, Olivia Munn. Yeah, Olivia Munn with her serious face on. Yeah. She's a scientist, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm most excited for uh, just to see Boyd Holbrook. Actually, when when he was originally cast as the lead, I don't remember if that was before or after Logan had come out. But I recently rewatched Logan. I watched the uh, black and white cut Logan Noir, uh, which if you haven't, you should absolutely watch because I think it. M- makes it a better movie like you just start paying attention to different things and uh the strengths of the storytelling and the character development really come out and it really drew my attention to boyd holbrook's performance in that is actually a lot better than i gave it credit for originally i think there's yeah. an intelligence and uh 
this this intelligence married to this intensity that I thought was actually really cool. And uh, I'm kind of excited to see what he does as the lead in this movie. I'd, I'd never uh, really seen Narcos. I've only seen a few episodes. It's the kind of show that's right up my alley, but... Sorry, Netflix, you have about a million things yeah. up there. I can I can only catch so many. But I will say that um, uh, I was a little more interested when it was supposed to be Benicio Del Toro playing mm. that character. Uh, mm. So, mm. yeah. Um, well, any final thoughts, gentlemen, on the Predator trailer? Or I, I think just me personally, um, the idea of taking this kind of horror character into suburbia isn't exactly new. Like, Leprechaun did it first, man. Yeah, there it's it's a it's kind of an old. There's plenty of instances of you know the fight coming to the home front, and yeah. you know it's it's. I'm not ready to make like a final judgment on it yet, obviously, but not not looking great. And I I actually you said like oh it's had ups and it's been downhill from there. I actually really like Predators, the 2010 movie. That's not uh, bad. Yeah, I I thought it was like a really cool, fun survival movie. So uh, I I'd, I'd like it to be good, uh, but not super optimistic at this point. Yeah, it certainly having Shane Black attached mm-hmm. makes you feel like there has to be more to it than this. And I personally can't wait to find out when I watch it on an airplane a couple years from now. I feel like the first <laughs> trailers for the nice guys probably didn't sell that movie as good as it as but good it as they could have. But it still looked more original than like this. Yeah. This doesn't, you know. You would never guess watching this. It was from Shane Black. No, no, no. It's very. They had to kind throw in of... from the director of Iron Man three. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, let's move on from that uh, to a movie a different three. Bill and Ted three. Bill and Fed. Uh, Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> <laughs> Bill and Fed. Um, did now, Tom? I know you are a fan of that franchise, right? Yes, okay. I am. Joshua, did you have you seen any of those movies? Or? So yeah, I saw them when I was a kid, but I haven't seen them since then, so I couldn't like recap the plot. And the nostalgia isn't like super strong for me with those. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they're doing now, especially now, especially because I feel like in modern times people see Keanu Reeves as a more serious actor. So I want to see him go back to that sort of goofball mm. area and see what he does with it. Now. That's a good. That's a good point can can we uh see john wick now as a as a dip basically i know i'm not supposed to swear but you know i think i don't know i think that it's gonna be a uh i think it's gonna be a real surprise to a lot of people because there's an entire generation now like kids in their in their teens that are fans of the john wick movies that this is the only way they know Keanu Reeves. Maybe yeah. for the Matrix, like sure, if you're a fan of John Wick, but still that's an a easy similar job. badass kind exactly. Of thing, yeah, definitely not a comedy. But Keanu Reeves is very funny, yeah. and especially yeah. in those movies, you know, it's not like he hasn't done comedy before. He his uh, when he shows up in Keanu, that scene is so fun. That's yeah. one of the best parts yeah. of the movie, and he like kind of runs away with that scene. Uh, obviously, because his name is in the movie's title. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's it's one of those sequels that we always sort of have talked about maybe one day getting. And the fact that it's going to be directed by, I, I'm going to mess up his uh, pronunciation. Pariso? Pariso or Pariso. I don't know if it's a hard T at the end there. Uh, the director of Galaxy Quest is and doing And Red it. 2. And Red 2. <laughs> but we're not going to hold that against him. So uh, yeah, Galaxy Quest yeah, is just this one. amazing cult classic at this point. 
And uh, to see that sensibility taken into the Bill and Ted world, yeah, uh, seeing that, and it's actually very in line with Galaxy Quest. Now that I'm thinking about it, Galaxy Quest follows the cast of a, uh, you know, washed up cast of a sci-fi TV show, and they are kind of thrown back into action or into action for real. And this is going to be following Bill and Ted. You know, they've washed up. They haven't fulfilled the prophecy that Wild Stallion's music is going to, <laughs> you know, create uh, universal peace. And the uh, the fact the fact that they're going to be washed up and they haven't lived up to that prophecy, it's like it's a good match. It's cool. Yeah, I, I my concern is whenever there is a sequel to something that's that old, um, can they actually recapture it? I mean. People are just energy-wise and and just personality-wise very you know they're different 25 years later, and and I and I, I'm sure the movie will explore that, but it's very difficult to see. Um, a lot of these movies just can't uh, recapture when they're a, a sequel that is that far out, like Wall Street 2, uh, a lot of the, like the Tron uh, legacy. Couldn't yeah, really... Dumb and Dumber 2 is another yeah, pretty you know, close like Zoolander analog, 2, you yeah. know, like when that much time it, They passed. have bad success rates for sure. Yeah, yeah even Anchorman, I was very much yeah. like, that didn't yeah. cu- that wasn't as long of a wait, but it was a pretty long wait between movies. Yeah, and it was I was about like, 10 eh, years didn't or so. quite yeah. do it for me. Maybe it's the comedy stuff. Maybe it's tough to, to, to recapture that sort of spirit that, gave birth to that kind of comedy. The reason I am optimistic about this one though, A A the the director is like a really that's just like a really smart choice and I feel good about that. But the other thing that makes me think that this is actually going to turn out well is that Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter have been championing this movie for a very long time. Yeah. Like actively talking about it, actively trying to get it made. Um, so I think we're going to – my hope is that we get less of a Dumb and Dumber 2 where it's, like, kind of studio-driven and, like, they're the ones that sort of want to get it made. Um, you know, this is, I'm hoping, more of a case of, like, uh, you know, like Deadpool where right. – you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds w- sort of held the torch for this character and this version of the character. And, you know, that passion gave us this really, really great movie. Uh, so I'm hoping that that's the case for Bill and Ted 3. Uh, let's move on from Bill and Ted and, and talk about uh, another iconic character, Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. He's getting his own spinoff movie. It's in development. Finally. Uh, Paramount, Hasbro, and the writer of the Beauty and the Beast, the Disney remake, uh, live-action remake, and uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Now, they didn't really give any details about what a Snake Eyes movie would be, but I just don't want to see him completely demystified, even though I have a feeling that's exactly what's going to happen. You'll see him with his mask off. You'll hear him talking. It'll probably be the story of how he ended up in the mask. So maybe he'll be Snake Eyes in name only. By the way, we never did, at least when I read the comics and everything, we didn't get Snake Eyes' real name. So I'm very curious to see what happens with this and if it can even work. Well, I actually don't have... um, I was never a huge G.I. Joe fan Mm. as a kid, so... I think I saw one of the new movies, and I really don't know my I don't know much about Snake Eyes. So can he not speak at all, or he chooses yeah, he not was, to speak? Yeah, he was. Well, and I believe in the original comics, he, um, 
he had been injured in Vietnam. Uh, it was an 80s comic, so these guys were like Vietnam vets. And he had been, um, there was a bad, like a helicopter crash, and he basically lost his ability to speak and was disfigured. Hmm. Uh, and I know in the later ones, it's how he took a, a like a vow of silence. Uh, listeners, if I'm incorrect about the old comics version of why he didn't speak, uh, please do let me know. But that's my recollection is that he was so damaged, like the fire got right in his face and basically destroyed his vocal cords, everything. So he, Very it's going to be a movie where the lead does not speak and wears a mask to cover his face. And but just can fight really good. Yeah. This okay. Assumes. And his Let's best do friend it. enemy is a ninja, Storm Shadow. Here's the thing about this Hasbro, these Hasbro movies that we've been. I feel like we've been hearing so much about all these movies that the Hasbro team is developing, and that we've seen like none of them. I it's, I have a feeling it's more. It might be more Paramount than, than yeah. Hasbro. I mean, they. I, I just wonder if we're ever going to see it. Like. It seems like the kind of movie, it's like, I don't know, this sounds like one of those, this sounds like a real X-Men Origins Magneto situation, Uh, where it's like, yeah, we hear about it, and then it just kind of gets folded into something else. Mm -hmm. Possibly, yeah. They should just, honestly, they should just reboot the G.I. Joe Well, I mean, isn't that essentially what this would be? It would be like a soft reboot, but starting Let's focus on the cool character who, frankly, you can recast and just put a guy in a mask. Oh, yeah. uh, or, Or maybe they look at things like, Deadpool and like, okay, you can get your main actor, but half that stuff can probably be performed by a stunt guy in a in a mask, you know? Um, maybe they're just taking the approach of like, yeah, maybe we'll do this kind of soft reboot where we do a solo movie and then forgive me, I don't know the other characters. I'm here names, to tell you the, tell, I'm here to tell you about the G.I. Joe initiative. Scar- maybe, Scarlet maybe, and oh yeah. <laughs> you do a couple more solo movies, one for G, one for I, and one for Joe, and then they all team up with uh, uh, the snake eyes and then into a G.I. Joe team movie. Yeah, and do that. I oh jeez. I everyone is going after their universes, aren't they? Yeah. I j yeah, this is Who can blame them though? G.I. Joe is just one that I'm sure can be done in a cool way. I just like, this is a weird thing for me to take this specific character just because he's cool looking and like, you know, sort of a fan favorite and starting this yeah, sort well, of new phase. And, of and the... I mean, it could, uh, with all the ninja stuff and martial arts, I mean, maybe they're looking at it in terms of, okay, we can open this. It'll play in uh, the Asian markets, which are incredibly vital now to Mm -hmm. Hollywood movies. I mean, it could be taking a good hard business look at like, all right, what do we have? The international play. Yeah, Yeah. like what what translates easily? What will be badass overseas? And and just may, they could probably do it on a budget. You're you're cutting out, like Dwayne Johnson was probably a good chunk of G.I. Joe Retaliation's budget. Yeah. Now you're selling that cool character in a mask that everyone knows or they can at least recognize him. I'll say this. Okay, here's the one instance in which I can see a uh, Snake Eyes movie working. If it is, you said, like, it's small budget, I think that's absolutely necessary. But if if we got, like, a ninja version of The Raid, that I'd be like, yep, that's a movie I want to see. Funny you say that because I want more. Yeah, I was thinking, I hope this is the Carl Urban dread and not the Stallone dread where go. they yeah, take yeah, off yeah. his We're in the, we're in the same neighborhood. So, yeah. But aren't these movies for kids, the G.I. Joe movies? 
Well, I mean, obviously, you don't have the insane ultra R-rated violence of the raid, but something, I'm talking about like a restricted location, like almost a single location movie where, you know, maybe we can get flashbacks. There are comics that, or whatever. one of the famous G.I. Joe comics was an all-silent issue of exactly that, of him storming a castle to rescue uh, someone and getting out of there. And they did basically an homage to it in the the one with The Rock. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you could do a whole, you could kind of do that single location. So, I mean, there is, there's precedent in the comics for it. So no. I could see that. The raid, but for kids. Yeah. What a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to just smack each other right out of there. Yeah. No killing at no all. Blood. No blood. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Star Wars. Now, uh, a lot of Star Wars uh, chatter coming up here in the next couple of weeks, but let's start with John Favreau. He was on the uh, red carpet for Solo, and he let it slip that the Star Wars TV series that he's involved in, he's going to be writing for that, is set seven years after the Battle of Endor from Return of the Jedi and will feature new characters. What do you guys think of all that? Joshua, you first. That's super exciting and awesome, and I think right about what I wanted uh, to see. I think they, they purposely have left a lot of what happened between Jedi and Force Awakens vague, even though some of those things have been filled in to a great degree, but I think there's a lot of room to play there and I think the fact that it's going to have yeah brand new characters and it's going to be set far enough after those events uh, that we can get some new stuff and have some new like issues for the, the rebellion and everyone to deal with uh, is is really good and really strong uh, and also it, it allows some familiar faces that we know who survived Return of the Jedi to potentially like pop up. What about you Tom? I am uh, also, I agree. I think that that is like totally the right choice for time period. It is an interesting uh, time that we really don't know a ton about outside of some of the uh, the movie, the novels, and uh, uh, Battlefront Two to a degree. I think yeah. sort of uh, takes place in that era as well. So it'd be kind of cool to see uh, Janina Gavankar uh, show up as Iden Versio somewhere in there. That'd be sweet. Um, so yeah, I am I am really excited that this is the time period Favreau is tackling. And obviously he has just proven himself to be a super talented uh, tentpole director and seeing him shepherding uh, this series is is very exciting to me. I'm just curious when when the Star Wars saga, uh, at least in terms of like filmed entertainment, is really going to break away from the same basic 100 year period that it's been covering now for 40 years. Like, you know, I know a lot of people talk about Knights of the Old Republic, but there 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 is something to be said for a time frame where. It's not leading into something that you already know and that you, you, you know, we're, there's some wiggle room there where characters can live and die and you don't know yeah. necessarily what's going to happen next. Well, I think the real, uh, the likely sort of solve for that is Ryan Johnson's trilogy that he's developing uh, that after Last Jedi's success, uh, Kathleen Kennedy just threw a trilogy at him and was like, here you go, you can do it. Uh, so uh, it's, I would not be surprised to see uh, his trilogy maybe take place far removed from where we are now so we can have that freedom. I would also actually be okay with, we all talk about like, oh, Old Republic, we should have an Old Republic movie. I would also be okay if we, instead of getting like an Old Republic movie, if we take the current events uh, of the Star Wars universe 
And we kind of understand that as being the sort of like relative old republic to a new series of movies that take place in the far, far, far future. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a long, a long time ago, not a long, long time. Ago. Oh, well, no, it's it's just a long time ago. <laughs> a time ago. I, I wonder if it is. I think the, they said something like specifically like seven years after Jedi, something like that. Doesn't that start to kind of creep up to raise parents? Uh, yes. Or yeah. Poe Dameron. It's about I think of, uh, parents weren't his parents involved in. Yeah, the... there's actually a comic book, uh, Shattered Empire, that is is about uh, Poe's parents, specifically his mother. But we do meet his father there too, and we see them settle down and to, like start a family. And so, yeah, and that took place right after Return of the Jedi. Although it's implied there's a time jump between some of the issues, but totally 100%, I feel like this is sort of that that nice sweet spot in between Jedi and Force Awakens where you can have old characters we know and then sort of set up new characters and see the parents of some characters we know. Or, or we'll see a lot of like little bits of connective tissue, right, of of officers mm. and such uh, in the, and in bounty hunters and mantles and stuff that we've seen in The Last Jedi and in Force Awakens and Boba, kind of see how Boba those Fett things— come back. Be, yeah, what, oh, with that. Boy. what yeah. if it's like Boardwalk Empire, but set on Canto Bite? It's all just about go gambling. Canto Bite. <laughs> I'm good <laughs> with Canto about Bite. About an aspiring father racer or whatever those are. Father. Father. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even jockey. sure who I would want it to be about, but I think, yeah, if they go kind of the more off the beaten path, yeah, make it about a bounty hunter or something. I think that would be really cool. And then you could fold in the legacy of, you know, the Mandalorians, Boba Fett and all of that and get him and make a stop on Tatooine or something mm. like that. I'm still waiting for Shadows of the Empire. Uh, something Shadows of the Empire out in the world, which was a which was a video game from the 90s, which I'm sure a lot of wasn't, our listeners wasn't probably there, played. Uh, there were tie-in books? Oh, or wasn't co- there novels, comics. comics. Yeah, I, I the, There was a the huge comics, push but. in the 90s focused on this storyline, uh, multimedia through games, comics. Yeah. Uh, never made it to screen in any way. But I want to see Dash Rendar. I want to see The Outrider. <laughs> uh, yeah, so more Star Wars from Jon Favreau. Good things. Yeah. Uh, now, on another thing on the Star Wars front, Lord and Miller, Chris uh, Lord and Phil Miller, no, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the one-time directors of Solo until they were fired and replaced by John Favreau. Uh, uh, Ron, Howard. Ron Howard. By Ron yes. Howard, my God. <laughs> There's time yet for you to be replaced, John Favreau. Ron Howard um, is your God? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> my God. Uh, You're Ron. a Cunninghamite? <laughs> That's right. Uh, anyways, they are. They did not challenge the directing credit given to Ron Howard. So, Jim, why don't you walk through what? Well, that basically, sort of what means. that means is they could have fought it uh, with the Directors Guild, saying we did X amount of work. We want to have a shared credit. The downside to that is it becomes very ugly, very messy, and a lot of determining who made what. Uh, has to be basically brought up to like an arbiter and a lot of that stuff becomes public Um, and it's probably just at the end of the day not worth your while Uh, you could probably get like maybe a nice little departing gift if you will and be on your way and I think what that suggests is they just want to divorce themselves from this movie entirely Uh, perhaps they're happy with how it turned out 
perhaps they really hate how it turned out and they just want nothing to do with it. I don't think I wouldn't I don't think it it's that extreme because they did take they elected to take executive producer credits on. Well, I mean, so they, I think they, they, are... they have to take something because they did they were I mean, they two weeks away from being done. Yeah, yeah. So, so they they contractually had to get something. I do Joshua and I were actually talking about this a little bit yesterday and I I I would bring up the fact that at least publicly and obviously behind closed doors we have no idea what's happening but publicly uh everyone has been very cordial as it relates to this this shakeup like lord and miller have been pretty uh pretty polite and and even tempered when sort of discussing their exit ron howard has actively moved away from talking about like who directed what because it's just like and as as far as we know uh, from how much they reshot and how much time they spent on reshoots, Ron Howard. This is Ron Howard's movie. Yeah, no, day. I mean, it also too, Ron Howard is just not that guy that talks crap about people. Of course, I mean, like he's an old pro and he doesn't. And it's just not his demeanor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really is Richie Cunningham. So, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna pick fights with them. Uh, all of this is to just set up the fact that. Tom and I have both seen Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, oh, oh, have we? we? Really say. Yes. Yes, uh, we have. Uh, we can just tell you what we said in our tweets. Uh, uh, we both liked it. Yes, we did. Yeah. I it, think you may have liked it a little more than me. I, yeah, you know what? Uh, even in just the 24 hours since leaving the theater, I think I am sort of uh, w- warming up to it a little more than when I first walked out. Yeah. And a lot of people are noting this online that, like, it takes a little while to get going. I think the first 20 minutes of the movie are a little bit of a slog. But as soon as it gets going, it it really doesn't stop. Yeah, and Alden Ehrenreich, I, ha- I have to hand it to him. Yeah. He, he had uh, a really unenviable task to try and you know step into these iconic shoes and, and follow Harrison Ford. And uh, Joshua, you look so forlorn because you haven't seen the movie. You're just like, please get through the we solo yeah, so well, we can talk about the stuff that I, I I've I've seen. But you know, yeah, we'll for, just say for our it's listeners, good. just to paint a picture, uh, both both Tom and Jim yesterday went to the world premiere in these fancy suits and <laughs> posting pictures and tweets and stuff and had a great time. Meanwhile, I was at the office doing work. Eating cupcakes because it was it was David Griffin's birthday. Uh, experiencing what I'm calling solo FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. So we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, make Joshua cry anymore uh, <laughs> with our solo talk because we are gonna be going into it in gr- much greater detail in the coming. Yeah, weeks. I, I'll, I'll just say that the uh, reviews are reviews will be coming out early next week. I'll leave it at that and. Uh, We'll have our review up at IGN next and, week. And a uh, and a familiar warning to any of you. You guys probably all know this, but definitely stay away from the internet or uh, or at least kind of keep your eye out for spoilers because they're, they're are... going to get out there because the movie doesn't open up until May 25th, but yeah. it's going to show at the Cannes Film Festival. And there are going to be some huge spoilers that will be out there by next week. Yeah, so I'm, be I'm safe afraid. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Be safe out there. Uh, watch out for gifts. They, they will ruin everything you love. Um, so let's move on from Star Wars and talk about Marvel because internet. Uh, so um, let's see here. The uh, boss of Disney, Robert Iger, was uh, talking, I believe, to some investors. And uh, he basically was talking about life after the Avengers, after Avengers 4, and hinted at that 
there could be a big new franchise, big new Marvel franchise now that, of course, leaves it wide open for geeks like us to a speculate. A new team-up franchise. A new team-up yeah. franchise, yes. Uh, so uh, what do you guys think of that, and do you have any ideas about what you would like to see? Joshua... I, we actually posted on on the site a list of seven ideas, but the what I'm leaning towards is something called the Champions, or I guess you could call it Young Avengers, which are two different things in the comics, but it's the same idea, and it's it's the next up and coming like young generation of heroes after the Avengers. Uh, Spider Man is a great example of what that looks like. Of he's he's like. How old is he supposed to be in the movies? He's like still 16. supposed to be a teenager, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's definitely like a younger hero. Uh, in the in the comics, there were a team called who called themselves the Young Avengers who were inspired by the Avengers but weren't necessarily direct correlations from them. Like one of them, his name is Hulkling because he was green and had big muscles and everything. But turns out he was a scroll who could shapeshift into that big thing. And he, but he would then go on and have like wings and big claws and stuff. So he definitely wasn't the Hulk as we know him and has no like gamma powers or anything like that. Um, and then there's one character, uh, his name is, he called himself as Guardian, but he had magic powers and was nothing to do, had nothing to do with Thor or anything like that. Uh, but then eventually he changed his name to Wiccan. Uh, it turns out he was related to the Scarlet Witch. So there is a little like tissue there, right? So I think that's really cool. But uh, in the comics right now, there is a team called Champions, which is, again, kind of the same thing, a younger generation of heroes. You've got your younger Nova, you've got Miss Marvel, heroes like that, who don't like how the Avengers did things, and they think, we can do better, like, we, you know. It's kind of like that whole thing of, like, uh, the, they're saying, millennials are ruining this. It's like, yeah, but the baby boomers are ruining this. Kind of that whole thing, but with superheroes. <laughs> well, it's Generation X, I can say we haven't done it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, Tom, what do you think about in term in terms of what property or what franchise you think team up franchise this could be? Uh, I would say I, I I guess I can't really my my comics my deep comics knowledge as far as like the popular team ups are concerned uh, is pretty limited. So I will just go with the low hanging fruit and say that at some point, if Disney buys Fox, we're getting the X Men in the MCU. They're not going to abandon Four, all the canon yeah. Yeah, or Fantastic Four, sure, or and, I should say. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, I think one of those teams, Fantastic Four or X-Men, will be sort of what they hang the future on. And we're just kind of waiting to see how they work them in. But while we're actually talking about that, Comcast has stepped in and is trying to disrupt uh, and, and take the deal that, that Disney was getting from Fox. And they're, they're trying to buy Fox and get all their movie properties instead. So already it was a question is if that Disney buying Fox deal was ever going to go through. We kind of assumed it would, but it was going to take a while for the government to approve it, like at least a year, uh, if not more. But now it's like, it will it even happen? And will, they, will someone else come in and, and take the deal I think from them? Be, I think it's going to be real tough for anybody to really derail that that Disney bid because Murdoch and and Disney really want it to happen. And, and Murdoch is good buddies with the current administration. So... It would take it would take a lot for Comcast to really undermine that, and ultimately, I mean, you could have some really interesting team ups between like Universal and Fox stuff, but that's that's a topic for another day, I think. Mm. Yeah, what uh, what uh, uh, new team up franchise well, would you want to see, Jim? Funny you should ask me. I think uh, there are two. I think Illuminati is kind of an easy one because you could bring Ooh. in Doctor Strange and Panther, and um, you'd have to have somebody that could kind of sub for 
Professor X until they do get X-Men in there. Um, but I think there was a little, it's, it's tough to call it news. It was just a sort of, you know, uh, would you, could you kind of thing uh, that Ryan Coogler said this week, which was an all-female Black Panther spinoff. Now, that would be a hell of a, a, a team-up movie where you get like, you know, Nakia and Shuri and um, Koye and, uh, it, you know, that would be great. So, And in that same vein, Jim, I think that, that would actually be great if you just took some of those characters and put them with some other standout female characters in the Marvel Universe and call it A-Force, which was the all-female oh, yeah. Avengers squad in the comics. So, yeah, there you go. Who, would, who wouldn't go see that? I think, I mean, I think that's a real possibility. I mean, uh, Koye alone has taken off in a way that I think that they would really love to keep that character going. Yeah, and not to mention Shuri, who yeah. is like just the darling of Black Panther. Like we, I just would, I would give anything to, and hopefully Avengers four, we get, uh, you know, we see sort of Shuri step up and take more of an active role. Uh, just because I just want more Shuri. I just want to see Shuri and everything. Yeah, in the <laughs> comics, she does become the Black Panther at one point. Yeah. So maybe while he's gone, she puts it on just to you know help out. But mm-hmm. then there's there's a potential for her to wear it for a longer period of time yeah. as a fully-fledged superhero later down the line. There's an interesting conversation to be had, like um, maybe maybe T'Challa. If it, maybe when we get to Black Panther 2, T'Challa decides that he doesn't – can't be king and Black Panther at the same time, and we'll send Shuri out on missions instead. Yeah. I, I, I wonder too if they aren't setting up some version of like the comic story where, even though she she's a little bit more treacherous in the comics, from my understanding, a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like a, a, a version where the people of Wakanda have lost faith in T'Challa, and I think Infinity War could kind of set up some version of that where you know aliens attacked your country and they could kind of just have a vote of no confidence in him and she could be forced to rather than like necessarily seek it out through her own ambition to kind of step up and lead. And I, I, I just think, I think there's a, uh, a legit reason why they haven't announced a Black Panther 2 yet. I think maybe it would be too spoilerish or something like we're going to have to wait and see what happens with Avengers 4. But yeah, either way, that character is not staying off the screen. And I, I guess we can't, it's still too early to talk about Infinity War spoilers. I, yeah. Guys, yeah. have you not seen Infinity Come War on. yet? <laughs> Highest grossing movie uh, opening weekend of all time. Uh, yeah, well, we can, we can not leave really the dead. Infinity War talk at that, I think, because uh, we have a, uh, but we're not leaving the MCU, are no, we? No, we are not. In fact, because it's been 10 years of the MCU, we are going to uh, ask that age-old question, what's your favorite MCU movies? And uh, so give me your, your three favorite and then your two least favorite of the 19 that now exist that we've all seen. And this is, of course, spinning out of, we have this really cool article up on the site where we asked uh, we asked you guys, uh, our, our fans and listeners and readers, to do your own rankings of the MCU. So you definitely check that out because there are some very interesting discrepancies like what the internet said their ranking is like versus what IGN staff put they are like they are pretty different so i am interested to hear what you guys have to say about this so yeah joshua, joshua top top 3 first okay i'm going to go with the disclaimer that even i think the worst of the mcu movies are actually, is actually pretty good sure so uh but if Agreed. i had to pick 3 favorites and not necessarily these are like the best critically best yeah, your ever personal it's my personal ranking. favorite what really gets me going 
and <laughs> start with number three. What's your number start with three? number three? Oh gosh, I put them in order. Let's all do like three, two, one. Oh yeah. wow. Okay, I'm gonna say Civil War. Oh, okay. because what I was what I was uh, finishing that thought. What really gets me going is seeing heroes team up and like come together for whatever reason. And here we have two different groups like warring over this idea of you know how superheroes should operate. So just it it, it is at its core this. Captain America love story with Bucky and uh, <laughs> uh, but then it becomes this big superhero brawl and then has this really personal end to it that uh, fractures the Marvel Cinematic Universe essentially so very much a, a, a darling of mine that I love to watch and it, it still entertains me entertain me's, entertains me <laughs> and makes me laugh and I thrill get, get nothing but thrills and chills from the airport battle thrills and chills that is a that is an awesome scene Jim what about you what's your number three my number three now this one's tough because uh i did recently rewatch the first iron man and boy it really holds up it's a really good film however uh you know it is kind of undone by just two guys duking it out in the streets of long beach at the end and and, and sort of stymied by that and i really really enjoyed infinity war which of these is your number three? But my number three, <laughs> my hey Tom, Tom, I'm, I'm did I say did I say here. number three or honorable number, mentions first? Number, <laughs> number three is Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh yep. Uh, only because I think it's such a joyous movie, and it does so much to sort of. Uh, make Spider-Man fun again. And it just, to me, it captured everything I loved about that character. Now, I know that some people have issue like, oh, the suit does everything, and it, it, it kind of, you know, it robs him of uh, all his kind of sp- more Spidey-centric kind of stuff, but I don't really agree with that. I just, I, I loved how they handle the character. And uh, I love that, you know, Michael Keaton's villain, uh, mm. Vulture, is so relatable. Yeah, yeah, he really, uh, yeah, you understand his conflict and why he does the things he does, even if you don't agree with the way he does it. And it's a great coming-of-age movie, too, and Mm. it's funny. Yeah, uh, my number three is uh, The Avengers, the first Avengers, which I think being this far removed from it in all the superhero movies that we've gotten since Avengers, uh, it sort of murkies up the fact that, like, that movie really was the first time we got like H it almost felt like the blockbuster leveled up that like, this was a different kind of blockbuster. And um, I, I think it holds up extremely well. I think it is such a, uh, an interesting, it's just like perfectly paced. It's super exciting. Uh, All the characters just get more shaded in and given more personality by Joss Whedon's excellent, excellent direction. I think Joss Whedon being hired as the director for that movie is probably one of the main reasons why this franchise is still so, so successful. They're still banking on what he did. I feel like uh, it's interesting as you as we get more and more MCU movies and it becomes such a machine and so many directors are becoming involved now. I feel like some of them are being taken for granted now. Like I don't know if Whedon is appreciated in much the same way in terms of really helping the MCU last into a couple of more phases just like i feel like john favreau was kind of taken for granted if the first iron man didn't work i know iron man 2 gets a lot of crap 
but Favreau set the tone, and Favreau yep. made it work. Yep. And so, yeah. Otherwise, it would have been Green Lantern. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, well, we tried. Right. Uh, Joshua, yeah, number two. So my number two is the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I know everyone has their reason for why they like it, and there's a lot to talk about, but just kind of for me as a hardcore comic book fan, The Guardians was just this small comic book that was like this really good hit, but not enough people read it, and it got canceled. And you're like, no, oh my god, like they did so much to really flesh out this concept and bring this unique cast of characters together and just make it work so well. Uh, so then to see that brought onto a movie which I never thought would happen that blows my mind even before you know the, the the credits have started rolling but once they did you know the mixture the mix of, of humor and heart and the music especially more than anything it, it really used like a music the music is like its own character in the movie and is what makes it work so well um and I, I absolutely adore that movie and it, it makes me laugh it makes me cry and then the best scene it, that's actually incredibly cheesy when you think about it. Is when they're going to confront Ronan and they've they've and it's like dark and then Groot does the thing with the lights and mm. they're all just walking around. That beautiful music is playing. It's a very quiet. Moment. Yes, and yeah. it's just and you get that the, okay they are a family now and they are together and they're risking their lives uh, to to save each other and and, and the universe you know, and Xandar. Uh, so it's just but that movie that moment would not have been possible had they not done such great character work throughout the entire movie to get to that point. And so it really is something special and it has yet to be replicated. Guardians 2, I, I did enjoy Guardians 2, but just it didn't really have the same magic, and it really, what the first Guardians was, was magical. Well, mine, my number two is uh, Black Panther. Uh, mine too, so I guess I won't say anything. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> you guys no, can we'll, have a group we'll discussion. Team up. team up. It's an MCU discussion. The team up <laughs> is the name of the game. Uh, no, I think that Black Panther 2 is just, or Black Panther, uh, Black Panther is such a, I, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast and recently, so I don't want to completely retread here, but just I think it is such a bold and uh, smart movie with so much heart and uh, and and this real grace. Like it really, the grace of T'Challa and, and just the, like Wakanda as a whole is just this ideal it's just this place where um it's 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 something that we we should have and and the cultural importance of this movie can't be overstated and i think for those reasons and just and also it's certainly marvel's most political movie like without a doubt and uh i i just i just um i marvel at it ha 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 yeah i i think the full impact of what this movie will accomplish and what it will mean won't really be felt until a few more years because you know if it really does indeed open the door to more stories being told that weren't told before for uh, people uh, of color who don't get their stories told that much I mean that alone will make this such a uh, such an ac an accomplishment, something for the history books, not just like a great superhero movie, which it is, but like really feel that impact of this thing made history, this thing changed things. And I think all that aside, I mean, just as a movie, it's a damn good movie. Like I watched it again recently and everything about it pretty much works. I, I will say it's interesting that T'Challa is, he's really great in it, but I wonder if Civil War didn't kind of steal some of the thunder of what makes that character so compelling because 
we're still talking about all these other side characters from Black Panther, mm. except for Black Panther. I mean, more people walked out talking about M'Baku and Shuri and Killmonger than they did T'Challa. But I think it was primarily because we get a lot of that conversation out of the way with Civil War. Yeah. But uh, I think it's a great movie, great looking movie, great sounding movie, great performances, you know, direction, everything. And the score, too. The score is like, for all the... Uh, a common criticism of Marvel movies is that their scores are very uh, bland and generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they really have... Marvel's actually... I think they've taken that criticism to heart. I think it started with... I mean, the Avengers... Doctor the, Strange, they tried to switch Yeah, Doctor Strange. Giacchino's score for Doctor Strange is certainly the first one in a long time that was like, oh, this is kind of unique and different. Um, and Avenger, I, not necessarily the entire score for Avengers, but certainly the Avengers theme has kind of become the modern sort of one of the most instantly recognizable modern pieces of film score. Yeah, it's like the new Superman John Williams yes, theme. People yeah. can hum it, and they play it in the trailers. You get chills. Yeah, so the Black Panther score just really continues this uh, sort of... Uh, not a streak. Like I'm not sitting here thinking about how good Homecoming's score was. No offense, whoever scored Home. Oh, I think it was Chikina, wasn't it? Whoops, sorry, I'm Michael. Along. <laughs> Ooh, oh man. Um, but the Black Panther score is excellent, yeah. excellent, yeah. excellent. And especially when it shows up in Infinity War, like when that when the drums start and like it's the beginning of the theme. Every every time I saw the movie, like people started cheering when that that played so that's how you know you got a good one on your hands joshua number one number one real quick i just wanted yes. to add that you guys mentioned him in passing but obviously black panther gifted us killmonger which which immediately shot to the top of mcu's best yes. villains lists yep. everywhere which and that was another criticism that marvel took to heart is that people don't like our villains watch what we got here they, yeah they do marvel can't be accused of not listening to fans like yeah. they they yeah. do they do sort of they don't change entire sort yeah. of plans but i they do make these like tweets within the last year and a half we've had uh killmonger vulture and thanos and they're all great they're all yeah. on the top i mean for honorable the longest... mention to hella yeah hella yeah. Yeah. i like hella yeah yeah um, so yeah. Joshua, your number one MCU movie. So this is kind of what's what's it when someone else kind of ruins the the what's uh, the expression there? Uh, muddying the waters. No, well you already said Avengers, but that one's my number one MCU movie. Uh, it's the first Avengers movie. You stole my spotlight. Oh well, wait stole till... the thunder. Stole my thunder. Yeah. Ooh, oh, sorry, Thor point break. break. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so obviously everything you said is is incredibly one hundred percent true. But I'll add on to kind of going back to what I said about Civil War is that I just love superheroes interacting with each other, like teaming up. And my favorite thing is when they're not necessarily in costume, they're just sitting around chilling. So that whole stretch when they are all on the helicarrier and they're just like getting to know each other and we get like the science bros, then we get people like butting heads and just hearing them uh, like sort of debate how they see the world and how, how to save it. That to me is just, I could do that all day. And Civil War had a lot of that too, of them like debating. Some of the best scenes were just Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans sitting in that room uh, like debating, you know, the scene with the pens and everything. So, but yeah, so Avengers, just the magic is just, it's its so wonderful watching them all come together. Um, and then everything Tom said on top of that. So yeah, <laughs> Avengers is my, my favorite MCU movie. But I, uh, real quick, hearing you guys talk about your favorites, I'm like, oh my God, I love those too. So again, going back to what I said in the beginning, I love all these movies. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, they're yeah. all really this good. Next year, we could have a totally different list yes. because yeah. I mean- It does shift. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I reserve the right to change my opinion on things. Uh, yeah. My number one is uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I, I think it's, um, it's a very 
uh, uh, you know, adult-minded film, and it was a, a, a their first real stab at being serious and doing something with um, with the MCU, shaking it up, you know, destroying Shield, bringing in Bucky as the Winter Soldier. I know it was in the comics, but like it was a great. It really laid the groundwork for the more serious stakes that were to come in the MCU. And um, I think the Captain America movies are the best trilogy in the Marvel movies. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think um, Winter Soldier, it has a great score as well. And um, it gave us Robert Redford as a villain. And it gave us the Russo brothers, who True. are now basically entire uh, – the, the visionaries – behind what like five years of the mcu at this yeah. point yeah 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 so i think it's an incredibly important film and it deep deepened those characters those relationships especially like cap and widow cap and bucky um captain america himself has ended up being this incredibly like new, you know dimensional and and poignant character you know yeah so yeah that one uh mine I, I would like it noted for everybody that while Joshua was sitting here and just bemoaning the fact that I took his number two <laughs> uh, or his number one and said stuff about it earlier, Joshua took my number one and also started dragging us for talking about his number one early. So with that in mind, my number one MCU movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. For all the reasons Joshua said, and also, uh, no, it's a... It's just such yes, the soundtrack is amazing. Uh, it is, it it's it's just so personal. It just really feels. I really connect to those characters. Um, they're they're butting heads. You understand why these characters are being kind of thrown together. Like you kind of you buy the entire thing. And I think that that opening scene, like opening a Marvel movie with watching a kid. Uh, watch his mother die because of a brain tumor. Like, it's just like, it's so, it, the stakes are immediately just like, this is a, you're getting a human story. Like, you're getting a human story about this guy that doesn't belong, that has no family, and he finds a family. And it was just so, that moment at the end to the, um, when, during the Ronin fight, where- We are Groot? No, not we are Groot. Of course we are Groot. But the moment, the moment that really sticks with me from that movie- is uh, when they are trying to control the Power Stone and Gamora is reaching out to Peter and he like hallucinates it as being his mom. Just like it, it, it's a gut punch. And then of course the icing on the cake is the awesome mix volume two at the end. That's oh my god, tears. I still tear up at that part. Um, it's just it's it's the Marvel. It's certainly the Marvel movie. Uh, possibly the only Marvel movie at this point that I will just like throw on and watch by itself just randomly. Uh, I think it's like one of the best movies to just kind of experience as a standalone uh, piece. That's an interesting observation. Do we feel like the Marvel movies, do all of them, most of them, lend themselves to repeat viewings once they're out of the theaters? I find myself not necessarily going back and watching a lot of them, uh, only a few. Yeah, I'll do I'll do recap before like if it's a if it's a sequel like if it's Thor Ragnarok I'll go back and watch you know a Thor movie or like whatever the most recent Avengers installment is you know whatever whatever I have to do to get myself recapped maybe I'll watch the MCU timeline on uh, on IGN's YouTube or what about uh, you Josh what was the, are you asking if yeah, do we you can think, watch like, them well yeah do you find uh, them 
really leading, uh, lending themselves to repeat viewing once they're out of the theater. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird question because, or it's a weird like thing to have to think about because you're like, well, uh, I it, they are very much chapters in a lar- large story, right? And you can't really get one without the other, especially in the later ones. But then again, new things like Black Panthers, I think, stands by itself. Spider Man, actually, not one hundred percent, right? Because you have to understand his obsession with with pleasing, you know, his father figure, new father figure, Iron Man. Uh, to really get everything, which that's all started in Civil War. So, yeah, you're right. So it, it is weird to watch them again, like just going back, like popping in a movie. Uh, not many of them are that standalone, but I think they've done such a good job of having each movie have a solid beginning, middle, and end as far as like the emotional journey that the character goes on that uh, it, they work. Yeah. Um, a lot of stories start in media rest, like in the middle of the action, right? And you're, you have to catch up to what is going on in these characters' lives. And so I think you could view any movie like that. Like if Thor Ragnarok was your first Thor movie, I think that actually still works. And a lot of the, uh, the history of what had already happened is implied and you don't necessarily need to know it. Like and it does work by itself, yet it also works to serve a larger picture. And that's kind of the genius of the MCU is how they able they're they're able to keep pulling that off. I'll talk yeah. shop a little bit here. We should do a video or a feature that's like yeah, ranking the MCU by how good it is just on its own as a Oh movie. yeah, that'd be yeah. a good idea. I, I feel like the Marvel has been just masterful at always making you think about what's coming next, looking forward to the next one and not looking back because it helps paper over plot holes and mistakes that every franchise has. Um, you know, I think it's, we're always thinking, well, what about Avengers four? What about Captain Marvel? You know, that kind of stuff. Instead of being like, yeah, I remember in Ultron how that didn't really add, like you don't, you, yeah. they don't want you looking back really in yeah. a way. I did want to add one more thing onto what uh, Tom was saying. I recently rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy with something that James Gunn recently shared in my mind where he said that baby Groot is not Groot reborn, right. like growing again. He's Groot's son because original Groot died. Now go back and watch Guardians of the Galaxy and – when you get to that moment, you will feel very different knowing that Groot is gone. Like he is sacrificing himself. Because originally it's like, oh, everyone kind of turned out you know, it all plays right as in the like end. a quick, like, oh, no, he's not really dead. Like, yeah, we got to stick. Like, yeah. It's like everyone survived. We didn't, this cost us nothing, right? Yeah. In fact, we all gained a family. It's like, no, you lost somebody. Yeah. This movie has a casualty. So, yeah, go back and watch it again. It's a lot, it, it really hits you a lot differently. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, that, that is our MCU, uh, our personal MCU rankings. For, for the best. Yes, for the best. Do we want to do a quick one of the worst? We can worst. do a quick version yes. of, of the worst. Sure. Yes, let's do our worst MCU Joshua, movies. why not? Why not have you go Let's again? do bottom let's two, starting with your second to worst. Okay. Do you just want me to say them both, for, or, or are we good on time? Uh, no, why don't you do both? I okay. Think, I, I don't think we have to drag these movies <laughs> too much. <laughs> um, so... I have actually watched a lot of the, the like all of the MCU movie MCU movies recently, but off the top of my head, I believe it's Incredible Hulk because I don't like their entire philosophy on how they approach the Hulk. Uh, while the Hulk movie by uh, Ang Lee was not the best movie in the world, I really like the Hulk material at the core of it. The Edward Norton stuff, throw it out the window. It's garbage. Don't like it. Uh, and then the other one I really don't like is actually Ant Man. And oh. I probably would have said Doctor Strange at one point, but that, I actually watched that again recently. 
because it was on Netflix, and it actually was very good. I, I, like I, I didn't give it enough credit the first time, but Ant-Man, I've, the whole way through, I was like, this feels like such well-worn ground of this hero's journey. It's, it's very by the numbers. And then the worst part of it for me was that Evangeline Lilly's character, uh, Hope, was proved again and again that she knew how to use all of the Ant-Man stuff way better and was more competent than him, yet was told the whole movie she can't. And then, of course, in the end, she, we get that she's going to eventually become the Wasp. But it was just so such a frustrating exercise, as though Marvel had not been listening to any fans of just like, we need a female hero. And the whole movie was like, you can't because you're my daughter. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that accent in the movie, but I just well, no, I like no. He should, yeah. Maybe they can do like eighty. All kind of his accent. Uh, my bottom two are uh, my second to least favorite is Thor: The Dark World, which I just uh, is to me even more so than what my bottom is, and I'll just I'll spoil it right now. It's also the Incredible Hulk, or mine's the Incredible Hulk. Uh, but yeah, Thor: The Dark World is just like I think it has the most forgettable plot. Like, I don't know. It was just the nine realm, the converging of the nine realms. It's just like, it's a very forgettable movie for me. It has, it has its moments, but, and like, like we said here, like all the MCU movies, even the worst, even Incredible Hulk, I, I will argue you, like, I do think it has redeeming qualities, Uh, but you know, it's just so, at this point, it feels so disconnected from the rest of the MCU. And yeah, it is sort of, it does sort of just turn into, much like Iron Man ends with two dudes fighting in Long Beach and kind of duking it out. Duking it out. Same thing in Harlem with Abomination and the Hulk. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, those are my bottom two. Same here. Uh, Incredible Hulk I found a little bit worse than Thor The Dark World, but I, I think they're, they both suffer from just being not particularly compelling uh, uh, takes on the source material. Um, I liked Edward Norton, uh, but I didn't like Abomination. I, I thought it was, uh, he really does look a lot like Doomsday. You know, it's a pretty <laughs> bad effect. And then Thor The Dark World, I just found was boring. Uh, I did like some of the Loki stuff. Yes. I like that little, the uh, the cameo, the Captain yeah, America the, yeah, cameo. That part, that's like the best part There's of the movie. There's some good, you know, good jokes in there, but it just ultimately, like... Terminally you don't remember much. Terminally you know. forgettable. You know? And uh, they try to make you upset that Thor's mother dies, and we never knew. Is really... her name Martha? <laughs> <laughs> we never knew anything about her, and they're having this big grand yeah, funeral. Yeah, she's in like, yeah. And it's like, like two scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So that's I, yeah. Oh. I did want to point out one thing: is that none of us chose what is often pointed to as the worst MCU movie, Iron Man Two. Iron Man is that your number three? <laughs> no, I don't even know if I would put it. I think Ant Man. No. I think I might like Iron Man two more than Ant Man. I, I Ant Man. Uh, I, like, I, like, I like. Look, Sam Rockwell is in there. Yeah, and Mickey Rourke. I know Mickey Rourke doesn't always work in it, but like, I think I don't think it's irredeemable. I think people are frustrated with it because they were just getting into the like the high. They were on a roll at that point, yeah. and then they had a misstep. So I think people are more angry at it than they are, you know, can justify it. Yeah, I think I think my appreciation for that movie has certainly increased in the last couple of years as I've sort of gone back and revisited it here and there. It's just like, yeah, Sam Rockwell's performance is super super fun. I do think his performance alone is enough to boost it over you know, like Ant-Man, if it's close between Ant-Man and Iron Man 2, and I'm not even sure exactly where those shake out as far as, like, the lower half of my ranking goes. But no, Iron Man 2 does have a lot of redeeming qualities. So, yeah, it's hard to call that, you know, the worst. Uh, but that's just me. 
Now, Tom, I believe the uh, the listeners have some questions for us, don't they? As as they often do. I was going to say always, and I said often, so don't uh, don't at me. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start with a uh, question from Jonathan Spiroff, and we this is a little piece of news that we didn't really get to uh, in the main part. But uh, should Peter Jackson do a DC film? or work on the Amazon Lord of the Rings series. It came out this week that Peter Jackson is reportedly kind of trying to decide whether or not to uh, be a consultant or some kind of creative voice on the Amazon show or tackle a DC film. Uh, Joshua, what do you think? Which would you rather see him do? Um, I've become wary of Peter Jackson because obviously Lord of the Rings original trilogy, amazing. Hobbit, not so much. So I'm Uh like, uh, I mean, if I think if DC were to like put him on a budget and not give him like total control over whatever he decides to do maybe like a justice league dark i think that he'd make a really cool movie uh so that would be that would be my choice because i definitely don't want to see him go back to the lord of the rings universe obviously he's the most experienced person alive today who could do that and it probably makes a lot of sense like business speaking financially speaking you know what you're gonna get if you're uh you know the head of amazon but I would like to see Lord of the Rings through a, a new set of eyes, of different creators, much in the way like Alfonso Cuaron took the Harry Potter world and reimagined it and with such great style. Not to mention, and the other franchise that that obviously calls to mind is Star Wars. Like this is a very, this is very much. Uh, it's twenty. It's like twenty thirteen, and we're asking: Should George Lucas be involved in Episode Seven? Like, yeah, I I, I think uh, Peter Jackson needs to move on from Middle Earth. Uh, I I think if there was a DC thing, what I could actually see happen is Steve. It's going to have shades of Tintin here, people, but um, I could see him directing. Blackhawk and Steven Spielberg producing it because Peter Jackson for years wanted to remake this World War II movie called The Dam Busters, uh, which is about like aerial uh, uh, squadron. Mm-hmm. And I could totally see like a Blackhawk version of that. Um, so I, I that's what I'm suspecting his DC thing might be. I can't really see him. I mean, they've already got Ava DuVernay for New Gods. I, I'm not quite sure what property they could give him that would be kind of suitable for his tastes but well, definitely already, yeah move on from it yeah he already <laughs> stood in for Guillermo Guillermo del Toro once on, on the Hobbit so just have him take Justice League Dark like I was saying there yeah go, why not yeah. Well. Guillermo del Toro is no stranger to passing off projects to other people <laughs> that he uh, doesn't have time to direct um my my personal opinion uh I'm I'm real on the fence because like I I don't I guess DC film because yeah it is probably time for a new voice in the Lord of the Rings uh, arena. I would be okay if it was like a very limited consultant role, like just just kind of getting his input and ideas, but having sort of the main creative voice be somebody else. Uh, so yeah, a DC film, I guess, by default, although that doesn't really... I'd much rather see him do something original. It's been a long time since we've gotten an original Peter Jeff since before Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, he did the Lovely Bones, which, which was, was an, adaption an adaptation of a yeah. book. But even that, that was more in the vein of like doing King something Kong. a little different. Yeah, and even yeah. that I didn't like very much. Yeah. So thank you for that question, Jonathan. We'll move on to one from Phil Mansfield, uh, who, who does bring up a, a valid concern. Uh, will Mission Impossible Fallout go under the radar? And that's like a, that's actually a really interesting question because nobody is talking about this movie. Well, and it's only like two months away. Yeah, but. He... That's not really 
always how marketing works. Some studios are, are playing the long game. Some wait till four weeks out. Um, I, I think people will be talking about it. Uh, it's just it's more of a concern, I think, for Tom Cruise than it would be for anyone else because, you know, the mummy flopped um, and Mission Impossible really is his baby and it's the last thing keeping him uh, a legit movie star at this point. Um, a lot of other actors now, uh, it's the brand that's a star and he is now synonymous with that brand. He's been the only star of Mission Impossible for almost 20, well, over 20 years, 22 years yeah. now. Can you believe that? First yeah. of all. Um, so yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll do fine. I mean, it's the same director as Ghost Protocol. So yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. That's the thing about Mission Impossible movies is that I never, I never get excited for them until I'm sitting in the theater and every, and especially even since Mission Impossible 3, I remember going to see that and I I think I had only just watched Mission Impossible 1 and 2 at that point. Um, but since Mission Impossible 3, it's it's been be- each movie's better than the last. Like they're really on a on a roll with this franchise and I I'm very excited for the next one. I've actually been actively avoiding I watched one trailer and I'm like I I don't want to see any more. Like I'm going to this movie. So Henry Cavill has a mustache. Oh great! Oh, the yep. mustache. That's, yeah. What about you? I hadn't story. heard about that. <laughs> ah, do you think it's going to be okay? I haven't watched the last couple Mission Impossible. Ah, okay. I they don't the have your I money. Watched, the last one I watched was I'll three. What number are we on now? Six. We're on six. Yeah. So I haven't. I didn't watch four and we'll, five. We'll do a uh, marathon. We'll watch. We'll watch uh, uh, four and five. Okay. Let's yeah. do it. They're 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 a ton of fun. Uh, so thank you for that question. We'll move on to. Uh, how about Alex Klein has this for us. Uh, what is your favorite universal monster and why? So these are the sort of classic uh, monsters of Universal's canon. So that's your Frankenstein, Dracula, Swamp, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and so on and so yeah. forth. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Frankenstein and, and Dracula are close. I like the look of the Invisible Man, but Phantom of the Opera is... Um, there's something very tragic and romantic about the character. I, I like the idea of somebody who is trying to hide away from the world, but is coming out there because he's, you know, uh, I don't know, he kind of wants revenge and he wants love. He's very needy and, and damaged. And yeah, I think he's a more interesting character. And there's something just kind of beautiful about like the whole Parisian opera house thing and the mask and all that. Mm. Joshua, what about you? So does this have to be based on a movie made by Universal? Or yes. can it be that? There is a okay. very specific right. stable of it. It's basically what the dark universe was going to be. Right. So Invisible Man. Does the Brendan Fraser mummy count? Not, Not re- really the, the original counts. mummy from the oh, 30s. back yeah. in the day. Okay. Yeah, but uh, anything with Boris wouldn't... Karloff or Bella Lugosi, right. kind of thing. I think Frankenstein. Then yeah, there's, that's there's, mine too. There's a lot of tragedy to that. That's that's just it's it's a it's such a haunting story to mm. watch unfold. Even though we know how it goes yeah. by now, but yeah, there's there's a lot of of, of interesting material to chew on there. So it's, yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah, I, I I say Frankenstein literally just because I love young Frankenstein. I know that's not part of the Universal Monsters wow. uh, stable, but uh, <laughs> I don't think Phantom of the Opera is either. To be fair, no, is no, that... it's uh, no, they did um, they did one in the '40s. I know everyone oh, okay. thinks of the the Lon Chaney one, but yeah. he is technically part of. Oh, cool. Of that, um, and that's why when 
when Dark Universe looked like it was going to happen, and I was inter- uh, interviewing uh, Alex Kurtzman, who was uh, directing The Mummy and overseeing The Dark Universe, I pitched him on the idea of Lin-Manuel Miranda as the Phantom of the Opera, and he loved it, yep. and now it's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is dead. Well, I think that is, uh, that's all the time for listener questions that we have today. Thank you guys so much for submitting. Uh, we will end the podcast, as we always do, with a quick little, what is the last movie that you watched? Joshua, let's start with I you. I don't remember. Do me last. Okay. I have to, think, I have to remember. So, uh, Jim and I will probably have to cheat here because we already talked about having just seen Solo last night. So I just saw Deadpool Solo, too. Okay, literally well, hours oh, ago. Oh, great! Another movie we can't talk about. Well, there's no social media embargo, so I will say that I liked it a lot. I liked it even more than the first one. That's very. That's a very exciting first reaction on the podcast for Deadpool two. I'm very excited for that. Uh, the last movie that I watched. Uh, was oh man, I might not have come in armed with knowing what I saw last. I think it was, uh, it might have been Suspiria. I ju- I watched Suspiria for the first time, which, if you don't know, is a a classic Italian horror movie by uh, Dario Argento. Uh, it's being remade by I'm gonna mess his name up. I'm sorry, Luca Guad, the guy that directed Call Me by Your Name, Luca Guadigar. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, that cough. Uh, very stark, uh, very visually just gorgeous. Um, and I've heard nothing but good things out of uh, CinemaCon from the the footage that they presented from that remake. So I wanted to go back and see the original. And uh, yeah, scary. The score is great. Um, so yeah, that was the last thing I watched besides Solo. Yeah. So I was just giving it a think. And the last thing I saw was Avengers Infinity War. So yep. not really much new to say <laughs> we've, there. We've talked about I, it. I, I've spent a lot of my spare time watching Killing Eve, which is a fantastic new show, but it's TV and I won't talk any more about it uh, on, the, <laughs> on the movies podcast. Just the Killing Eve plug and, for you. And I've been playing God of War for PS4 uh, to death. So th- those things have been keeping me busy. Next time I'll come prepared. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. All right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. As always, send us your thoughts at movies at IGN.com, hashtag IGN Movie Show or IGN podcast. Movies Podcast. I know. I'll get it right <laughs> one of these days. Follow us on Twitter at, uh, at Joshua underscore Yale. Just, just Joshua Yale, okay. Y-E-H-L. And at Jim Vavida. And I've got the underscore. Tom underscore Jorgensen. As always, uh, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. 